Hello there and you're very welcome to the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. My name is Jamie Moore and you're very welcome to another episode of the show. Coming up we have got a packed edition, one of the busiest League of Ireland podcasts we've ever had on the show. We'll be talking all things Europe, the Champions League with Gary Rogers, Dundalk goalkeeper and Vinnie Pert, the head coach. Stephen Bradley and Jack Byrne on the Europa League, second qualifying round for Shamrock Rovers. Our focus on Finn Harps, who picked up a crucial win over Waterford. Their manager, Ollie Horgan, will join us. And then we'll talk all things FAI with Tom Moan, the Ireland under-19 manager, after they made it through to the European Championship semi-finals. They play Portugal on Wednesday after a 2-1 win over the Czech Republic over the weekend. Four League of Ireland players in that squad. And we'll hear as well one-on-one interviews with the FAI president, Donald Conway, and the chair of the Governance Review Committee, Aidan Horan, after the FAI EGM at Dunboyne Castle Hotel on Saturday evening, in which the uh, FAI members voted overwhelmingly to adopt the rule changes ahead of the AGM this coming weekend. I'll also ask the lads what the future holds, if any, for John Delaney in the FAI. So it's time for us to get the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast on the road, and we'll begin with Europe. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. Now, Dundalk will face Karabag FK from Azerbaijan in the second qualifying round of the Champions League. It's after their dramatic 5-4 penalty shootout win over Riga in Latvia last Wednesday after a 0-0 draw in Dundalk and a 0-0 draw in Riga. The game went to extra time and to penalties with Gary Rogers saving two. Riga missed three in total. Sean Horse scored the winning kick. And on the way to his training on Sunday morning, I've been catching up with the Dundalk goalkeeper Gary Rogers and I began by saying hello to him. Oh, not too bad, Jamie. Now, Gary, firstly, uh, we spoke to your head coach, Vinnie Perth, on the show earlier on, and uh, he just explained exactly the amount of work that went into the research on the opposition in case it went to penalties and how much work you did. Explain to us how that worked and how it helped you when you were saving those penalties on Wednesday night. Um, <laughs> funny enough, the last one, the guy that took the last one, Peterson, he actually had never taken a penalty, so it went out the window for him, but it certainly did help um, for, for the other ones. Like I think it had gone the right way for most of them, and even the ones that didn't save, I got a touch on one, and then one went over the crossbar, but it looked, we had looked at every penalty the lads, their, their team had ever taken um, over, a, over a number of years, and then we tracked what sides they usually go and stuff like that. So, and obviously watching them and watching their run-ups as well, it, it all helps, I suppose. So it all kind of feeds into, I suppose, making that decision, um, you know, when you're faced by the penalty. And how do you actually know, Gary, when, you know, player A is is, is walking up, how are you sure that it's, that it's him who you've seen in the video and, and that he's going to go a certain way? Is it as simple as, like, looking at the number on his shorts or is the goalkeeping coach giving you a signal or how did you actually know that, you know, this is where this player has gone in the video when you're actually in the middle of the match? Well, I was actually, I'd actually stand out uh, off the line and when the player was bending over to put down the ball, I'd see his name on the back of the jersey just to double check to make sure, like, you know, if obviously have a fair idea because we would be looking at the video video analysis of the players and leave um, sheets and stuff on, on all the players and all the details. So we kind of, you would, you would, you would know, but uh, just to make sure, I, I was, you know, when, when he'd be placing the ball, he'd be bending down, you could see the name on the back, just to make sure. Yeah, and of course, it's a stage where at this level of football, the opposition probably know that you've watched their videos and, you know, Dave, I'm sure, watched maybe some of your videos too in terms of where you dive on penalties. So you're then trying to play cat and mouse with them and hoping that they do go the side that you predicted and, and clearly, in the case of three, them it worked for you. Yeah, look, I suppose, you know, 
it might not always work out that way, but it, look, it worked out well on the day, and it was great to obviously make a couple of a couple of saves and uh, like to get through on penalties. Although look, we've been on the receiving end of losing the penalty shootout uh, in the cup final, it, it certainly made up for that, and it was uh, you know, it was great for for everyone there, and we did it in front of our fans were down that end as well. So uh, look, it, it was fantastic um, moment, I suppose. Yeah, and I suppose as well, you always see when the captains are going up for the toss, you're kind of wondering, do you want to go first or second, or do you want to go in front of your own fans or in front of the away fans? And you've had experience of that in FAI Cup finals in recent years as well. So how much of a difference, you know, on Wednesday did it actually make to have your own fans behind you and also your own fans clearly kind of in the view of the Dundalk players taking the kicks? Well, look, it, it worked out well because we won. Because I think it, you know, for the cup final against Cork, they were behind us and we didn't win. So it was uh, look. I don't like. I suppose it come. It just comes down to the to the penalty takers and uh, at the time, you know. And lucky enough, we we um, Sean Hoare was very cool and, and Jamie McGrath as well. I think you know, you probably his was the sixth penalty and they were after scoring there. So like there was a lot of pressure on that penalty too. And he he came up and slotted it home lovely. So look, you know, the, the lads really held their nerve well to to tuck away the the two penalties in um, in the sudden death. Yeah, and of course, when it got to the sudden death as well, it's 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 clearly so important not to miss and to try and save one because the first shots in sudden death were both scored, including the one by Jamie McGrath, and then you saved their sixth one. So Sean Hoare knows that if he scores, you're through, and and you know eventually that's what happened, and and that's the interesting part. If you go first or second, it'll determine if you're scoring to win or if you're scoring to stay in it. If that makes sense, or saving. Yeah, exactly. I, I, like it's hard to know which is the better, better way. Um, whether you know you, you, you've you've got the score and then you want to save to win it or whatever. But uh, look, it made it made no difference. We, we we got the job done thankfully. And uh, look, I think we deserved the game uh, to win the tie over the two legs. I think we were certainly the more adventurous team trying to win the game. And uh, we're really a very very dogged side. And, and you know they've got good players as well, but defensively very sound and. and uh, it was a huge challenge to try and break them down and thankfully look, we came out the right side of the penalties and I think we certainly deserve to go through the the, uh, the tie and the balance of play. Yeah, explain to me Gary the feelings afterwards, the celebrations, you know, a great away crowd there and like players, staff, subs, everybody jumping on top of yourself and I think when Sean Hoare scored he, he, he initially ran towards the fans and then remembered that he wanted to go and celebrate with you and they're the moments as the footballer that you really love, that kind of half an hour, 40 minutes from the final whistle of a big win into the dressing rooms and then back onto the bus but you know if you could put that in a bottle and have that every Friday or Saturday or Wednesday night it'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. It's very special. Like, you know, everyone there that's involved with the club was there to enjoy it as well. And we went back out under the pitch to, to share with the supporters. Look, it's fantastic. And I think, you know, the supporters made a massive effort to go over to Riga and the numbers that they brought, I think there was, there could have been four, four or five hundred uh, supporters there. So it's certainly one that uh, will live long in the memory for supporters and players alike. It was a, look, it was a great, it was a great night. Yeah, and that game, of course, was on Wednesday evening and you guys have travelled home from Latvia. We're speaking on Sunday ahead of another European week and you're going to play a team from Azerbaijan in the second qualifying round called Karabag FK. The first leg is at home this Wednesday and the second leg is away next Wednesday, Gary. So how have things worked from after the match on Wednesday in terms of getting home and getting back to the training pitch to prepare straight away for the next opposition that you're going to face? Yeah, I think we we came home obviously straight away, and we were in the next morning in the gym and into in for recovery, and we had a day off Friday, and we um, 
we we're uh, trained yesterday, double session yesterday. We've double session today and video work both days. So it, it, it kind of you know when the European stuff comes round, we we basically nearly know you know the lay of the land I suppose for the, for the week or the couple of weeks that's in it and uh, what the plans are. It generally that's that's our routine. Um, we'll be off on on Monday and back in again Tuesday for the day, the day before the game. So we'll do all the work really over the weekend between you know on the pitch video analysis. We'll have a look at you know the opposition and all the players individually and collectively and the systems of play that they try and uh, play. And we'll try and um, develop our own tactics and, and try and put our stamp on the game or how we can go about winning the tie. Yes, and uh, Gary, your former teammate and captain, Stephen O'Donnell, who's now the opposition analyst, had a nice trip to Azerbaijan during the week. Of course, you weren't sure if you were going to be through, but the way these things work, you have to send your analyst to go and watch in case you do get through. So that was a nine, ten-hour trip for him. He wasn't in Riga for the match, so I'm sure he was trying to follow on Twitter or, or, or live score or whatever, but he's back, and I'm sure he'll, he'll, he's had a busy period with the coach and staff to try and get all the information to you guys for this game on Wednesday. Yeah, I don't think you could have a better man going over. His football knowledge is excellent, and uh, you know he, he really goes to watch the opposition. Like you know, the detail that he goes into when he comes back is brilliant, and it really helps. Obviously, the, the management team and, and the players get a real good uh, insight into the way the opposition plays. So, yeah, Stevie had a long trip, and he's not that keen on flying, so uh, it wouldn't be right up his street. But uh, look, he does a fantastic job in in his new role. Yeah, and I, I suppose as well, you know, I know Vinnie Pert spoke when we spoke to him just about the amount of, of work that goes into these European games and, and and the amount of help that it is. But I suppose when it's not until you really actually start the match and you're actually on the pitch that you really get to see, and I'm sure you experienced that with Riga, you didn't know that we're going to sit in on both legs and, and really make it, you know, quite hard to, you know, for, for Dundalk to break them down. From what you've seen so far, what are Karabag like and what do you expect from these two games against them they're, they're you know obviously a very good team they're currently first in their league yeah they're they're, they're a very good side um, lots of good uh, technical players and, and great movement you know they wouldn't be the biggest side but the, the, the movement they have and uh, the athleticism of players is, is very very good so they're obviously seasoned campaigners and I think they've been in group stages in Europa League or Champions League for the last four years so like, they're as good a side as we faced um, in recent years and Look, it's going to be going to be a huge test, but we we know that we passed them sort of test before, and and obviously we'd be eager to do the same again. So look, we we'll just prepare as well as we possibly can, uh, and put a game plan in place to try and get through the the, the tie and and get ourselves into the next round of the Champions League. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll have uh, Michael Duffy back available for selection, Gary, as well for for this game, and you know, an interesting story, I suppose. You know, given that he missed the away leg because of the birth of uh, of his young child Ellie Michael Duffy was born I think during extra time and he's a lovely photo up on his Instagram of, of the little baby and uh, his missus Emily and stuff so you missed him in the game and I'm sure you guys were very happy to hear his news but when you got off the pitch it was, it was almost a, a double celebration Yeah absolutely it was great for Michael and Emily it was brilliant um, you know it's certainly uh, it's a story they'll always remember uh, even though Michael had probably one of the more memorable games from even though he hadn't played but he was uh, I think he, he tuned in to the penalty shoot at the end after, after the, uh, the birth of his baby boy so it was uh, look it's a great story and uh, look, we're obviously grateful to have him back and he's been already back in training so it, it, it's great like he'll be on a high
And finally, Gary, speaking of being on a high, you made your 41st European appearance as a League of Ireland player the other night, so you're equal with Oli Cahill. I thought Owen Heary had 41, but obviously he doesn't. He was on with us recently, and I thought him and Oli Cahill were tied, but obviously they're not. So if you do play in either of these uh, games against Carabag, which I'm sure you will, you'll be the, the record appearance holder. So when did you kind of realise that you were coming close to Oli Cahill's record, and how did it feel to equal it on, on Wednesday, and hopefully better it this Wednesday? Yeah, I think you know, Stephen McGuinness in the office has kind of myself and Ollie well informed in terms of the European appearances so I've kind of known it's been on the radar for a while but it's obviously difficult to get there because you have to win ties in order to, to, to rack up the numbers but um, you know, it's great to have been involved in so many European games I think you know, for, for League of Ireland players playing in, in Europe is, is certainly the pinnacle of your career and, and it's one of the major advantages of playing in the League of Ireland the opportunity to go and play in Champions League football and Europa League football so look it, it's, it's great to be Yeah, I know you've you've had so many great memories. Would the group stages in 2016 be one that that definitely stands out? And are there any others that would be at the top of your your list if I was asked to to think of of some of those 41 with plenty more to come? Hopefully, of course. Yeah, I think you know the group stage is obviously great, and the Bahia Borisov game and the game the other night was fantastic. And even at Pats when we beat Krylov from Russia, I remember coming back from that game, and, and all the Pats supporters were in the airport. Um, afterwards, uh, uh, when we came back, and there were like there was a great atmosphere actually in the airport when we came back from that game. So, look, that's they're just examples of some of the great nights that you can, you have in Europe. And, and look, hopefully, there's more of them uh, on the way. Yeah, that Bati Barsov game at Tallis Stadium, and the lashing rain, and Robbie Benson scored that third goal and did the slide of the corner flag. Unbelievable scenes, and uh, I'm sure more to come over the next days. Lastly, Gary, you're also the chairman of the PFAI, and it's an interesting time for the League of Ireland with all of these debates about you know Noel Quinn and Kieran Lewis and what's going to happen with the league and I was at the FAI EGM last night and the vote passed to change the rules and hopefully there's going to be a new better FAI to come and a new better League of Ireland to come in any guise and we're not sure what that will be what have you made of the last couple of weeks and the clubs being presented to by these prospective new people about where our great league might go in the future yeah look it's all I suppose positive but all, there's lots of talk of what's going to happen and um, I think the most important thing is when, when they do make these decisions you know that there's real investment in the league and, and you know the, the TV deal is going to be you know key key to it and, and the money coming into the league and being invested in the league properly because we all know that you know over the years it hasn't been the case that the money that the league has been generated from sponsorship deals, TV deals, you know, hasn't been hasn't been put back into the game. So I think going forward, it, you know, all the new stuff that, that people are talking about, new structures and new investment that comes into the league, as long as that's uh, whatever is generated is, is pumped into the league, I think the league will be a better place for it. So, but look, there's huge challenges ahead and, and uh, a long road to go. But you know, the sentiments are positive, and I think uh, you know a new change, a new regime should be positive for League of Ireland. Yeah, and you're 37 now, Gary, so I'm sure you plan to play for a couple more years, but this new league in its entirety and, and you know, I suppose in its best guys won't be probably there for, you know, a huge amount of your playing career, but I'm sure you plan to either coach or stay involved with the PFAI. Is there a real sense for you as a player and, and among the players in general that this is a positive step and that, you know, the prospects of having a better league are really there now on the horizon? Yeah, I think there's a, certainly an appetite for change and I think... You know, you know, all the major stakeholders are involved in it now, and and kind of had, you know, given their, um, I suppose, ideas as within the Mansion House for the governance review uh, committee and stuff like that. So, like, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, all the knowledge in the league has been tapped into, and you know, all the ideas and 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 expertise from the people that have 
give it uh, pass on that information. I think that that'll be used where it hasn't been the case in the past. You know, it, it wasn't really, you know, an open an open uh, an open book when it came to the League of Ireland. So you'd like to think that then things will, will be hugely significant going forward, and and you know that you know there's a real appetite to improve our, our our game. I think on the pitch the product has been very good, but I do think that there's lots of work to go on around that to improve and enhance our league. Great stuff as always. Gary Rogers, thanks a million for your time. Enjoy training. Enjoy another European week. Uh, the best of luck on Wednesday in the game and also becoming the uh, all-time European appearance holder. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks a million. No worries. Thanks, Jamie. That's Dundalk's goalkeeper, Gary Rogers. Now, the Dundalk head coach, Vinnie Perth, joined Nathan Murphy on Off the Ball. And this is a short excerpt from that interview in which he talks about the dramatic penalty shootout. Also, a phone call from a certain Jose Mourinho after the game and his thoughts on facing Carabag FK. With the first leg taking place at Oriel Park in Dundalk this Wednesday at a quarter to eight. What Gary's doing at the moment is, is very, probably very typical of, of what we do at Dundalk over the last number of years. I mean, it would have been... It, it, two-hour session yesterday on penalties and, and penalty uh, between the staff. Um, I, would, I would have sort of forced, not forced, but I would have insisted on that happening yesterday afternoon. And then Gary was brought into that meeting with the other goalkeepers, um, Steve Williams, um, David Maguire. And just, we were watching penalties from maybe six years ago uh, from, from a player. And, and so Gary was well informed. He was really... Um, prepared for that penalty shootout um, but then like that's all well and good having that preparation and being really ready the, the level of fitness that Gary has at the moment he's fitter now than he ever was in his career and again that's down to the structures I think in the club and obviously his, his own personal drive so all them um, combinate in, in a player who, who has a chance at the highest level and and to be fair to Gary, he was it was a standing goalkeeper and in the night in general, like he was he was just so assured. He didn't mm. have to make big saves, but um I think a sign of a good goalkeeper. Um some people like, you know, talk about the best keepers in the in in your own league or other leagues are the ones who make loads of saves, but Gary isn't generally gonna be making loads of saves for us because we're quite dominant, but he done all his his normal goalkeeping stuff so well and then he capped it all off with uh, just being brilliant in the penalty shootout, and, and obviously we've we've got the rewards for it. So it's it's a brilliant night for him. He can all his record, and, and knowing that now he's going to break that record over the next couple of weeks is uh, it's marvelous for someone who who's worked so hard in the game. And mm. at 37, uh, he continues to work that hard. So obviously it's this momentous night and this emotional occasion, and you're walking off the pitch and you've just achieved something big for Dundalk this season. And then you look at your phone and Jose Mourinho's face is there. What, what yeah, happened? Yeah, that was a strange one because I think generally I'd be sort of known, I think, as a, a private person. Particularly, I suppose, while working under Stephen, I just felt uh, a good assistant is, is sort of not seen. I used to ask people, you know, who's the assistant manager at Manchester United or Chelsea or Man City at the time, and no one ever really knew the name. Some people did and didn't. I just believe that was the way an assistant should act. So um, um, then to be sort of, for this to happen, it actually happened in front of a couple of journalists. I, know, I think Paul O'Hare was there. And so I, I had to get out and it was, it's very open and I think people have heard about it now. But yeah, um, what I found fascinating was like, um, Jose had watched the game and he spoke about some of the tactical side of it. He spoke about, you know, the change we made with Murray. Um, so... It was sort of, it took my breath away. I didn't expect it. It, did, it definitely came out of blue. I know he, I knew for a while he has been interested in what we're doing at Dundalk and 
Um, he, he has sent some texts and, and different bits and pieces before. So right. you get a phone call him off him on a night like that where, um, unfortunately uh, for me, it's very obvious. I was I was very emotional at the time and probably the interviews. Um, I never got a minute to calm myself down. <laughs> so it was probably hard in my voice. And then to hear from someone, someone like from Joe did at, at that stage, probably, um, but it was very emotional and, and sort of, it was, a, it was a good moment and it was one I'll, I'll probably never forget. And Carbag obviously have a good pedigree. They drew with Atletico Madrid a couple of times in the Europa League uh, two seasons ago. They've been within touching distance of the group stage of the Champions League on a number of occasions. Looking at this game and, and what's on offer if you can progress and just how difficult it's going to be. Well, Carabag are is a really, really strong, athletic, um, tech, sort of technical side who will move the ball really, really quickly. And that's where teams like from England or Ireland in particular would struggle against really that type of style of play. So we we have a real challenge on our hand, and they're you know they're a really top top side, and we're going to have to be our very very best. And as you said, we have rotated the squad this year, and we you know um, Massey uh, left full for argument's sake has played 19 games, and and Jarvis has started 18 games, so. That gives an advantage that if something goes wrong, we're ready, like Michael mm. Duffy missing out the game yesterday. So, um, But we're going to be pinned to our colour. We're going to have to go up another level. Um, and we're going to have to be at our, our sort of very, very best to be in the tie. And um, um, the fact that we're at home probably this time, normally it's the other way around, this time might help us because we want to be still in the tie going over to the away leg and, um, and we'll put them under a little bit of pressure if we can score an away goal and, and, and that's the way we have to be thinking. Dundalk's head coach Vinnie Pert speaking to Nathan Murphy on Off the Ball as our League of Ireland podcast continues. It's Dundalk against Karabag FK from Azerbaijan in the UEFA Champions League second qualifying round first leg. It takes place in Oriel Park in Dundalk this coming Wednesday at 7.45 with the return leg the following Wednesday in Azerbaijan. That's a six o'clock kickoff on Irish time. Now, we'll move from Dundalk to Shamrock Rovers, a team who will be taking place in the second qualifying round of the Europa League this week. They'll face Cypriot side Apollon Limassol with the first leg in Tallis Stadium at 8 o'clock this Thursday, the following leg at 6 o'clock in Cyprus the following Thursday. Rovers beat SK Brand from Norway 2-1 on the night and, of course, that means that they're through by just one goal, 4-3 in aggregate after a 2-2 draw in Norway the previous weekend. The goal's coming from Jack Byrne, a brilliant strike, and sub Gary O'Neill. After that game, I spoke to the Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen Bradley and this was before Rovers game of course they beat UCD 7-0 in the league on Sunday this chat was about all things Europe So with Stephen Bradley the Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen how would you describe the drama the atmosphere the late goals the next round of the Europa League Yeah it's a special night wasn't it we, uh, we called for a big crowd we got that and the players responded I thought they were brilliant Yeah over 5,000 fans here and Brand score to go 1-0 up so you know you need to score and you do when you score twice and then you have to hang on at the end to avoid extra time and just that last 13-14 minutes must have been amazing to, to see on the sideline yeah I think um, like you said to go behind in Europe and both legs and come back and win the tie it shows what this group of players is about it shows how, how together they are it shows the character um, and they'll never say die at you I thought they were outstanding what were you thinking when Brand scored and, and you made a couple of substitutions to try and, and, and you know change the game you brought on Dan Carr you brought on Gary O'Neill both involved one scores yeah, I thought our substitutions were, were excellent when they came on the pitch. The players disappointed not to start the game, of course. When they came on, they were excellent and uh, obviously they changed the game for us. But um, when they scored, you're thinking with the goal we gave away, it was a really poor goal from our point of view. But I felt we, we, uh, we recovered very, very quickly and, and uh, we were fine. 
Yeah, I said in my match report when Jack Byrne scored that goal, I think it was like perfect place, perfect player, perfect time, and you wouldn't want anyone else to swivel on that in the box and sweep it in. No, it was, it was uh, Paul's goals type finish. Um, the way he turned and nice and calm, just dinks it over the keeper. I thought it was an excellent finish. But I think tonight uh, and the last few weeks have shown Jack's maturity, how much he's maturing as a footballer. When he came here, he was a nice footballer on the ball. Um, now he's becoming an all-round footballer and uh, he's maturing every week and, and he's becoming a real leader for us. And then you bring on Gary O'Neill maybe to sure things up and he somehow ends up in the box on the counter-attack to score on a deflection and, and goes mad to, to get the second goal, which really sealed it for you. Yeah, um, look, Gary's been excellent since he came in and training and he's had to be really uh, patient with, with games, but he comes on tonight, he keeps us right and then he uses his legs and his energy. He's really athletic and he used that to get in the box. It was a great finish. To fans, over 5,000 here, probably 100 of them you know, on the pitch celebrating both goals the club will probably get a fine they just need to stay off the pitch don't they because people from the UEFA are so serious about this stuff and it doesn't probably look good yeah obviously we need to we need to be better when we score, score a goal but we, you have to understand the passion and what you have for this club and, and uh, the excitement uh, you're at home you're losing and you go and win the game you can you can understand it but yeah we need to control it better yeah that's the Shamrock Rovers head coach Stephen Bradley Shamrock Rovers 7-0 winners against UCD in Tallah Stadium on Sunday a huge win for them and uh, they were four up after 21 minutes so uh, a great performance and uh, not so good for UCD now after that game on Thursday against Brown in which Jack Byrne scored and got an assist a brilliant goal his manager there you just heard him comparing him to Paul Scholes I spoke to Jack and we began by uh, me apologising for knocking his post-training or post-match snack, of course, some Jaffa cakes out of his hand. So with Shamrock Rovers, Jack Byrne. Uh, Jack, firstly, the uh, two-second rule is in uh, effect. The Jaffa cake that I dropped on the floor, that was yours. You, you managed to finish? Ah, yeah, finish it. Yeah, I got to bless myself and carry on. <laughs> so speaking of blessing yourself, uh, tell us about the celebration. Um, I'm not quite sure what it was. It was like a hand... You tell us. You scored and you went uh, mad. Not much to say about the celebration. It's just... Uh, uh, we were just talking about some stuff when we were away and we came up with it when we were in, uh, over to Norway and uh, it just seemed to s- stick so uh, we can't really say too much about it but it's, uh, it's a bit of crack between all the lads and uh, you know, we all seem to enjoy it so it's good. And was it only your celebration or if anybody scored what they do? Well, I think people are directing it at me okay. so <laughs> yeah I think if I'm involved in a goal maybe someone will, uh, someone will throw it in. So I know. <laughs> Very nice and you were involved in the first goal Jack um, your manager compared you to Paul Scholes the way you turned Dan Carr flicks it on Ronan Finn finds you explain to me from there it's some ball but yeah uh, I'm actually you know I've just gambled and I thought he was going to lift it over the defender so I'm just thinking I'm just going to break and if he lifts it over and we catch it on the volley but uh, it's some ball it's some ball and I wasn't even expecting it and you know if I, if I have a little bit longer to think about it then I might not take the turn like that and uh, stick it in the top corner I seen the keeper coming out and uh, I had to lift it so yeah uh, Look, it all happened so fast, you can't really, you know, I haven't even seen the girl back, to be honest. I've just been happy in the dressing room, but, uh, you know, if, if, if I have a little bit longer to think about it, then, you know, probably don't, uh, probably doesn't come off as, as nice as it did. Yeah, because it seems as if you kind of flicked it with your left and then finished with your right, and the way you turned, it was like so skillful, but yet so quick, and you probably didn't even have time to think about what you were doing. No, I didn't. I didn't have time to think about it. It just came through, and, you know, as I said, the ball is unbelievable, and Finner all night, to be fair, he, he worked as his socks off, you know, and uh, to be able to play that ball at that stage, um, true to me, you know, when you have jelly legs, because it's tough, like, and you're one nil down, um, you know, it's 
it's a credit to him, you know, he's an unbelievable professional and he's, he's some captain, you know. Is that the type of goal that small sort of games and training and 3v2s and stuff really helps you that when it comes in a match, it's natural just to try something, even though you would probably try it anyway? Yeah, we just practice stuff, you know, uh, we do phases of play, you know, when he picks up the ball, we're playing the box like that, then I'm running on. And, uh, you know, just thank God tonight that he found me in that position and, you know, ho thank God, hopefully, you know, uh, my touch was, was good, like, you know. What's the feeling like celebrating in front of that new stand when it's packed? I know a lot of fans come on the pitch, they shouldn't have, but for you to score and go, and go and see that and yeah, do that. I just, I just think like, you know, uh, the club, we, we want to be involved with the fans, you know, we want them to come out and experience nights like this with us. Uh, if there's nobody in the fan, in the stands, um, you know, we, we don't experience that together, you know, so uh, it's great when you can you can interact with the fans like that and, and you can get moments like that because that's a great moment for for us and a great night for Irish football. Same with Dundalk last night, you know, uh, they're travelling fans going over there and then winning on a penalty shootout. It's unbelievable. So, but it's our night tonight and we're obviously buzzing, like, you know. Yeah, manager giving you a high five there. Um, in the build-up to Europe, people talking about you and how well you're doing in Ireland and the league and all, but saying, you know, Jack has to do well in Europe to be this, to be that, to go there, to go there. Were you listening to that, thinking oh, about I just, that? I just want to do well uh, for myself, you know. I know that these are going to be good teams and... Um, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to play well in every game. I know that, you know, and, and uh, I expect myself to play well in every game and I'll try to play well in every game. But I'm not going to play well in every game. So if I had an off night tonight, it's not because it's a European night or whatever. Uh, thank God, you know, I scored a goal and I like, set a goal up and, and uh, it, was, it was a good night for me. But, you know, if it wasn't, it's not because we're playing in Europe. It's just because you might have an off night and these things happen. But, you know, uh, we're all trying, you know, we're, we're trying to play the right way, we're trying to do the right things. We never once went back to front for the whole night and started lumping it and went away from my game plan. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, you know, I'm just glad tonight that, that we got through for the club and for the supporters and, and for the manager and the work that they're doing. You can see the way we play is, you know, obviously their, their vision. So, that's uh, great. Yeah, and you'll maybe be involved against UCD on Sunday, but obviously the focus is on this game against Apollon Limassol from Cyprus. You've been around the world playing football. You know, what do you enjoy about playing these type of teams where maybe you've never seen them? You might never have been to Cyprus before yeah, you've got done playing. It's just a different challenge, like, you know, you, the first 20 minutes, you're always failing each other out. You obviously don't want to concede early. We conceded early over there, but there wasn't really much we could have done about it because it was a wonder strike. But, uh, you know, it's just, just good nights, just great times to be involved in, in a, a massive club like this. And, uh, you know, you have to enjoy playing in these games. You can't be going in thinking, can't believe, you know, we got beat and we didn't give it our all. Once we give it our all and, and we enjoy it and we play the way we play and with our identity, then, you know, it's going it's, to, it's, if we win, great. If we don't, then at least we're sticking to our game plan and, and that's the way we're going to go forward, you know. You seem happy, you seem like you're having fun, you seem like you love playing football, which I know you spoke before you joined the club about trying to find that love again and looking at you playing, it really seems that way. It's great, like, you know, I have a manager here who believes in me and uh, who, who's let me go and express myself and it's, it's a great feeling. Um, you know, I obviously had a tough, you know, uh, eight months or so before I came here and, uh, you know, it was obviously well documented, but you know, I'm just glad to see the back of it and uh, I wasn't not putting the work in, I just wasn't getting the breaks and, uh, you know, tonight got a break and, uh, you know, working hard and long may I continue. And just lastly, how important is it to have a manager who trusts you to get in the ball? And if you watch you play, sometimes you're in the middle of the centre-back, other times you're on the edge of the box scoring goals, but trust you to get out in the ball. And maybe some of your other clubs around the lower leagues didn't do that. You went to Holland because they did that and you've yeah. come here and, you know, Stephen wants you and I'm sure if you make a mistake, he's going to say, you know what, go and get the next one. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, I have to be thankful to him for that because he's given me a stage here where I can uh, 
don't express myself and uh, and play, you know, the style of football that I, I like playing. Um, it's not going to be like that everywhere. I know it's not going to be like that. My face isn't going to fit everywhere. But, um, you know, hopefully can add bits to me game. I still obviously need to add bits to me game and I'm working on them. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be in this position here if it wasn't for the gaffer. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. Jack, thanks for meeting off now for more Jaffa Cakes, more oh, celebrations yes. and to watch your goal. Great, yeah, lovely. Thanks. That is Shamrock Rovers, Jack Byrne. Rovers against Apollon Limassol in the second qualifying round of the Europa League. First leg takes place at Tallis Stadium this coming Thursday at 8 o'clock. Pats and Cork City both knocked out of their, their games. Pats in Sweden and Cork, of course, in Luxembourg. Cork made a great go of it, uh, getting 2-0 up and could have taken it extra time before they conceded a late goal. Well, Pats uh, were beaten away and Conor Clifford scored another unbelievable goal for them but that means that uh, St. Pat's and Cork City's European adventures end at the first hurdle now the uh, Premier Division this weekend and last weekend was uh, quite curtailed due to the Europa League involvement and Champions League involvement there was only two games that took place on Friday Derry City beat Sligo Rovers by three goals to nil while Finn Harts picked up an important 1-0 win away to Waterford FC we'll hear from their manager Ollie Horgan in just a second two games took place on Sunday Bowes beat Pats by three goals to nil Ryan Swan Connor Levingston from the penalty spot and Swan again with the goals there well Rovers as I mentioned beat UCD 7-0 Graeme Cummins got his first goal for the club Aaron McAniff got two Jack Byrne Dan Carr and a double for Aaron Green Rovers 7-0 winners over UCD we'll speak now to the Finn Harps boss Ollie Horgan after that 1-0 victory for his team over Waterford on Friday they're going to welcome Derry City for a local derby up there in Bally Buffet this Friday and I began by saying hello to Ollie ok Jimmy not too bad Ollie thanks for having a chat with us you're uh, back to Action on, on Friday, one of the uh, few games in the Premier Division and a, a fantastic 1-0 win away to Waterford at the game live on Air Sport as well and an important win in the context of, of UCD's upturn in form in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, 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 were, you know, we were falling away and that's the last thing we wanted. Whatever about, like, you know, staying in, in the fight for the, you know, the relegation playoff spot to the end, we certainly didn't want to drift away. Uh, you know, and I said it before, like, you know, both for ourselves and the sake, you know, of UCD as well, like, at least if it's competitive to, to the end, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll keep things alive and kicking. And we needed that win because UCD have been in great run of form to their credit and, you know, they're not going away either. Yeah, and things now level on points. UCD have played two games less as well, given the players involved in the under-21s in Toulon a few weeks ago. So they're still playing catch-up as well, Ollie. But to have things level on points again and, and you know, given... The performance the other night, the clean sheet. Mikey Place got the winner from the penalty spot with with ten minutes left as well. A really, really important victory. Yeah, most certainly is. Like, but like as I said, any points anywhere on the road in particular, because we've picked up very, very few on the road, uh, is extremely important. Like, I mean, you to be of two games in handiness and they, you know, we we saw them in the venue last Friday. Uh, against Terry and the work rate and the, the 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 energy and drive and enthusiasm as well as keeping possession was incredible on the big pitch up there and uh, they're gonna they're gonna pick up a lot more points along the way and we need to try and and, and better that to, to get that playoff. Like. Ollie, Mark McGinley's been in goal for you for the last few weeks as well and I remember Mark, he would have played for UCD when he was in college there as, as a young player and I'm sure he played in the Premier Division, definitely played in the First Division at the time when uh, Jer Barron, the current UCD goalkeeping coach, would have been one of the goalkeepers there as well, among others. And I think Mark went off to play Gaelic football for Donegal after he finished college and kind of fell away from, from playing in the League of Ireland. How did you end up signing him? And I know he made an unbelievable save in the closing minutes to stop a certain water for goal the other night. Well, look, it just the more that's happened by accident. Um, like we 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 had Kieran Geller and Peter Burke as our two goalkeepers, and we're very very happy with them. And uh, Kieran, unfortunately, up in Dundalk, 
way back in, in, in I think it was April, dislocated his shoulder and is out for, for quite a long while and for the foreseeable future. And basically, it just happened by accident that, 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 that Mark became available, that, that uh, he, he, he didn't commit to the, the, the Gaelic football and he became available, which is ideal timing for us uh, because we need two goalkeepers, so mine one. And, you know, we have in Southern Peter Buck now that are basically fighting it out to see who plays. And, and it's good to have competition there because you need it uh, and, and we need everybody competing with each other to have any hope of, of, of picking up points from here on. Yeah, he's a very, very good goalkeeper, a good shot stopper. And from what I remember, Ollie, of back when he was playing for UCD, a very good kicker of the ball as well, really good technique and, and someone who I'm sure you'll hope will, will make a difference for you. How's he done in, in the couple of games so far? And, and clearly the fact that he's in the team and, and you know, in you know ahead of Peter Burke already suggests he's been doing quite well. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this, this, there's very little between the two of them. But in that way, yeah, um, I'd say, you know, Mark is probably disappointed with the goal that he conceded at the near post from Jason McKelland in UCD two weeks ago when the bet is 1-0. Uh, to be fair to him, he, he probably made up first on, on, on Friday night in Waterford. But, uh, you know, you, you need two goalkeepers at that level. I mean, you're talking about his kicking. Peter Brooks' kicking is very good odds. So, as is, if you take UCD's goalkeeper, Conor Kearns is, is excellent. You know, as the as Premier Division goalkeepers are all there. But, uh, look, we're delighted to have him, and, and long may it continue for, for Mark to be in the form he's in, to put it that way to you. Yeah, and when you, you know, had to find a second goalkeeper because you knew of, of, of the injury and the fact you do need two as well like Mark is a local lad he, he's from the area had you been aware that he was playing Gaelic and how did the initial contact come to sign him? Mark would have played with me in in Challenge in, 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 in United before he went to, to, to UCD in New York right. time um, you know Mark would have played on, on, on underage sides that, that I would have looked after in, in the past so you know, you, you'd know Mark very very well he's He's working as a tea teacher up 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 there in in, in Donegal also. Like so, you you know you're always in contact with them. Uh, you know I tried to sign Mark a number of years, but he committed to the county team and and went on and did very very well for them. But um, he 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 opted out of them. Probably you know a, a couple of weeks after that we were looking for a goalkeeper, which was ideal timing for us and something that that fell our way because a lot of other things don't fall away as easy as that. Ollie, Sean Boyd's loan at Shamrock Rovers is up. I watched him play for Longford the other night in, in his debut for them in, in the first division and something you'll need apart from clean sheets is goals in, in the coming weeks and months to try and uh, make sure you don't finish 10th and either finish 9th in the playoff or or in 8th as well. Had you hopes to keep Sean and is, is there plans for the rest of the window to try and bring in anybody else in that area of the pitch? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we need we need to, to, to strengthen uh, it's not for the lack of trying. Um, it's 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 restricting in some ways, with geographically and, and financially, and that's not me, you know, singing the same old tune in any manner. And we, we've got to try and get it right. Although it's 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 you know it's a struggle to put it that way to you. Um, we 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 have uh, numbers as regards panel there that are good lads and and very very much together. But yeah, we need to try and take in and attract something in, in, in that area of the field also. Sean's known finished at the end of July. A great, great bit of stuff, a great lad. And he, he came up and down that road, you know, two, three times a week. And, and he, he, you know, he's, he, he gave us a hell of a lot in, in, in the six months that he was there. 
Yeah, another player who's doing that is Daniel O'Reilly, and I know Sam Verdon was doing it for pre-season. I think after after the first game, he realised with work commitments and stuff, he wasn't able to do it, and and that's I suppose uh, a sign of of the location of Finn Harps that it is difficult to attract players not from the area just due to the distance and and the travel alone, and that's something that you do have to contend with. And even for someone like Dan who's doing it for the last six months, it takes a huge commitment to do that. Yeah, it does, and Dan is a, a great example to any of them. You know. Um, you know, Dan, Dan is a strapping player. We know how that like, but as you get your commitment to come up and down that road uh, mentally, it's tough. And 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 he has dealt with it brilliantly. And you know, long may that continue to put it that way. To you, Dan wants to play in the Premier Division. You know, and 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 we 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 got promoted at the time, and it it suits us. But to be fair to him, you know, he's 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 there on time, no maintenance, no nothing with with him, and. Uh, you know, he he. For for most of them, he may as well be local on the basis that he's he's probably there before some of the locals arrive for training to his credit. And long may that continue. Like, yeah, and I know you guys went overnight to Waterford due to the distance involved as well, and and, and that's something that I know the club have, have have tried to help you out when you've needed to go on overnights. They've been able to to do that as well because. For some of the trips in the Premier, some on a Friday, some on a Monday evening too, Ollie, it, it's not the easiest place f- for you guys to get from where you are to those games. So to be able to go overnight and pick up an important win, I'm sure, is, is something that you're happy about too, you know, given all the players are working and, and stuff away from football. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we don't have that many overnights on the basis of, of, of our budget. And to be fair to the board, they, they gave us an overnight last Thursday night. Um, I think they were lights in partners of the game. Now, you know, it doesn't guarantee you'll get any points. And we went overnight. To be fair to the board, the last time to Waterford and got beaten for, but nothing, you know. So it doesn't always work out, but it certainly gives you a better chance, you know, if you can prepare properly and people are fully recovered and rested to go down there. But it also brings with it financial difficulty. Uh, that 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 you know, we, we we've we've gone, you know, in the first division in particular to to Cove and back to, to Waterford or to Wexford and back, and indeed Waterford and back when we were both in the first division at the time and. It's it's you know we're probably used to it, and the players when they come in know that there's there's no real frills or ears or graces about how how we get about things or you know there's no luxuries with us but that's part of it and uh, we're not the only club in the league of Ireland that that that, that struggle in that manner. Yeah, and your next match, Ollie, is at home to Derry City on Friday at eight o'clock up there in Bally Buffet. So not much of a trip for yourself certainly, and also for Derry City. And I know some of your best crowds this season have been in the game against Derry as well. And you know they're flying towards the top of the table, really making a push for Europe under their new manager with a very new squad as well. So your thoughts on that game, and also what type of atmosphere that Finn Park can create when the place is full, when behind the goal is full, and and, and the main stand and, and the far side as well is is packed to the rafters. Yeah, yeah, you probably address you know a small issue there at the moment is that you know Airsport are looking to do this game. Um, it, it isn't ideal for us, while we'd like the the publicity in that, and we very welcome Airsport with us. Um, you know, we, we 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 need we need a gate financially to try and get through and kick through the rest of the season. Uh, I know that Shamrockovas Cork game was the original one that Airsport had, and we we probably be, you know, the board certainly would be quite happy if, if that game had gone ahead and ours didn't. I know that sounds negative as regards trying to, you know, the, the, the showcase whatever we can do or Derry can do on, on the TV. But financially, you know, we, we don't need the, the gate being reduced because our home games with Derry are the two biggest games of the season for us financially and a whole lot of other reasons. And we need the public to come out to support us and not just not just financially to have people in there, but to try and get something out of the game, get a point or something out of the game that might might take us into a playoff position, you know, eventually. But uh, 
that that itself would be very difficult to achieve, Jamie. We got beaten four 0 in the venue well, the last time the window were wiped out, and uh, they're they're flying to the credit and 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 Declan and 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 and, and Kevin and Paddy, Marty, all of them together up there have 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 put together a squad that's football-wise are excellent, physically very strong, and they look extremely much together. And we we found out to the brunt of that with a four 0 hammering that we got there back in. I think it was in May, Jamie, you know. Yeah, and Ollie, just lastly, under I'm asking all the guests on the podcast this week, just about the league moving forward. And, you know, we had the presentations last weekend from, from Noel Quinn and Kieran Lucid and, and, you know, Noel Mooney. And we're unsure exactly where the league is, is going to head with this new steering group that's going on. And you mentioned the game on Air Sport. And, you know, League of Ireland clubs get no money at all from games being on TV. And, and, and that's something I'm sure will be addressed and has been spoken about trying to get a TV deal for either this All Ireland League or the League of Ireland as it is in, in its new form. In terms of what, what you've seen and heard over the last while, is, is the aspect of a, you know, a TV deal one of the main things you would like to see in this new league and what else would you like to see moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we can't have that everywhere in fairness. Like, we're looking for the league to be you know, publicised and that. And yeah, to have television coming to, to your ground is great. But if it's, you know, impringes on you financially, you know, we've got to survive. And, you know, mainly our, our, our finance comes from our gates to a huge percentage. And that's really key for us. I know that sounds, you know, we can't have it anyway. And, 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 and that is correct. But we need to survive, number one. We're not the only clubs that, 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 that are, are, are struggling to, to try and, 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 and you know, c- c- compete and, and stay in the Premier Division. Now, indeed, the first division itself is difficult. I think publicity-wise, yeah, I, I think it's great that the sports are taking games. Uh, I think the fact that the, the team's getting through during the week in, in, in the European football is bringing to the league as well. But, you know, sometimes that can make the gap bigger, which it is already quite big with, with, with the size of progression on the week and the likes of ourselves, our, our, our teams in the first division. Um, I, I just, you know, obviously if financially, we're struggling. We're not the only ones. It's all shame in saying what we're saying. Um, and, and really, we need crowds in our games to try and survive. And our biggest game of the season is Friday night. There are two biggest gates, the two home games against them. And we need that everybody to come out for every reason on Friday to, to back us. As regards what you're asking me about the, you know, the structure of the league, you know, let's see what comes out of it. You know, I, 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 I don't want to get too carried away, as you know, from, from before. And I, I think, I think change can only be a good thing to put it that way to you. Um, no, as, 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 as at the moment, there's, there's very little financial help given uh, to, to clubs like ourselves to try and survive. And I think, you know, the carrot for most clubs up there is to get to Europe. Some clubs have gambled on it and have struggled if they don't make it there. Uh, and that's really the only financial reward that, 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 that is in it for, for, for the, the top league of Ireland sides. So put it that way, too. Ollie, with this game being on, on the TV on Friday, if it is on... Is it the home gate that will suffer? Is it the away fans from Derry who won't go? I'm sure if you were playing a team from Dublin, you know there may be fans who say, "Well, I'm not going to go because it's on telly." But with your own, we go into it, and, yeah. and, and we're dealing with with, with the air sport at the moment. Yeah. Basically, uh, from before the the, the vans and lorries that air sport take in, take in a huge proportion of the ground. Uh, there's only one area of the ground that. Uh, they used, which would have been um, the Derry City side, and Derry will take with them a huge number of, of, of fans with them, and we certainly won't be turning them away. And whatever way we've got to compromise and get them in, we'll get them in. Uh, as you said, there's no compensation given from Air Sport or, or TV to us 
should the crowd be reduced, but I guarantee anyone out there listening is that nobody will turn, be turned away on Friday nights in Finn Park, whatever way that this is sorted. Great stuff. And Ollie, just lastly, you know, that issue with the, the trucks for the TV and stuff will be sorted when the new Finn Park Stadium is finally built. What's the latest on that from your point of view? And we've seen with the daily mounting up here in Dublin, you know, there has been delays and different bits going on. Is, is, are you still hopeful for, for that to be done in the next couple of years? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been ongoing for quite a while. You know, I was it, it was there. You know, when I came in, whatever six years ago at this stage, and it's 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 basically it's at its final stage. But to try and get out of that final stage is is a matter of time. And uh, I think the new committee that that were set up there have brought it a hell of a long way to to its final stage. And we're just hoping for it to get signed off in in the near future. But you know, we, we 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 won't be announcing anything or saying anything until this is done and dusted because, you know, many things fall at the final hurdle, but please God, the club needs it and you know, it's it, it just needs it needs a new life, it needs a, a new a new base, a new facility that, that is up to standard with, with, with the top facilities around the country and I think should that happen and please God it will happen with the work that the Shedding Committee are doing, that I think we could go from strength to strength. But for that, you know, to happen still Needs a, a little more push from from everyone in Baldwin. Great stuff, Ali Horgan. As always, thanks a million. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye, for Jimmy. Right. Yeah, great stuff. That's the Finn Harps manager, Ollie Horgan, as honest as always, ahead of their game against Derry City this coming Friday. The fixtures in the Premier Division this weekend, it's a, an interesting weekend of games, again, given that uh, there's European involvement for some of the clubs. So, uh, Pats against Dundalk is going to take place on Saturday afternoon. That'll take place at Richmond Park. UCD Waterford is on at a quarter to eight on Friday in the UCD Bowl, while Finn Harps v Derry, as I said, takes place at eight o'clock in Bally Buffet. One game on Saturday evening, it's Sligo Rovers against Bohemians. That game is an eight o'clock kickoff up there in the showgrounds. And one game also then for the 28th of July, which of course is this Sunday, it's Cork City against Shamrock Rovers. Not fully sure if that game will be on, but at the moment, it's down in the fixture list to take place on Sunday. In the first division, Shelburne are six points clear at the top after a 2-1 win over at Lone Town. Jazz Kabia on his debut and Kieran Duff got a brilliant overhead kick to have Shells two up. Darren Meenan's penalty in the 90th minute made injury time nervy for Ian Morris's team. A game I was at in Stradbrook, Cabin TD 2, Longford Town 0. The first division top scorer, Rob Manley, with two more goals there. And uh, Cabin TD have done a great job on the pitch. I'm the first to criticise it when it's been really bad in the winter months, but since the rugby has finished, it's been in great condition and it really suited a good game there. Galway 2, Bray 2 was the final score down in DC Park in the 83rd minute equaliser for uh, Vinnie Farty in that game while the other game on Friday finished Limerick 1 draw the United 4 Jamie Hollywood scoring on his return to the drugs and that was uh, one of four goals for Tim Clancy's team and one game on Saturday finished Cove 1 Wexford 1 that means Shells are 6 points clear at the top of the table of course there's only 6 games left in the first division Shells on 47 Drada on 41 Longford on 39 along with Cabin TD while Bray and Limerick are both now on 32 so Seven points off the top four with six games left. They'll do very well to make the playoffs and the fixtures in the first division this weekend. Looking forward to another interesting weekend of action. The four games on Friday are all 7.45 kickoffs. It's Bray against Atlone, draw to Cabin Teeley in a big game for the playoffs. Limerick against Cove, while Shells will fancy their chances of another home win at home to Wexford. And at one game on Saturday down there in City Calling Stadium in Longford. It's Longford Town against Galway United. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball. You're on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast with myself, Jamie Moore. Now, the Ireland under-19s are into the European Championship semi-finals. They'll play Portugal on Wednesday at 3 o'clock Irish time. 
That was after a 2-1 win over the Czech Republic on Sunday. Johnny Afalabi and Barry Coffey got the goals there. Now, a number of League of Ireland players involved in Tom Moan's squad. A couple from the start. Andy Lyons of Bowes and Brian Maher of St. Pat's both have performed really well so far. Um, results in the other games, of course, Ireland opened the campaign with a 1-1 draw. That was against the Czech Republic. And then they were beaten 1-0 by France due to a late goal. But they are through to the semi-final. They face Portugal on Wednesday. And the Ireland manager, Tom Moan, has been speaking to OTB AM's Owen Sheehan. Good morning to you, Tom. Morning, Owen. So, the campaign so far has been an interesting one. First game, the 1-0 draw with Norway, lost to France 1-0 in the second game, and then the 2-1 win against Czech Republic. I presume mission accomplished is putting it lightly, Tom. Well, there's still more to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, just rest on that. We have a semi-final ahead of us, but Camaro in a very good place this morning, and uh, delighted with the performance of the players last night, Owen. What's the main thing that underpins that delight? What is the main thing that brings you satisfaction after those first few games? Come here, we've come up against three different uh, styles of opponents basically and, and the boys have matched themselves well in each game and they've adapted to the different systems and styles of, of each of the opponents. And uh, obviously the first game against Norway was so, so important to get to get a point on the board after being 1-0 down. It's the next best thing to a victory when you come back you know, to, to draw the game. Uh, France was, was a, a completely different experience. They, they dominated possession, they're a fantastic side and uh, we had to be very well organised. and. Our players, in fairness, you know, they showed, as well as showing great heart, heart and spirit, uh, they, they showed great game intelligence. Like, you know, when for long, we frustrated France and they were, they were putting long balls into the box and, you know, we were dealing comfortably and they just they'd done us just near the end and it was, it was disappointing to take. But they bounced back very quickly and we look forward to the Czech Republic game. And come here, the boys, when we were under the cosh last night, uh, I think they really impressed me was... The courage for the players to get on the ball and instead of just clearing our lines, players were, were showing for it, wanted to take responsibility and I think our second goal reflected that. Yeah, you talk about coming up against three different styles and the way they've adapted to those three different styles, your team. Is that something that you've pre-prepared for every game or are they going out and actually feeling their way into a game and actually working the opposition out mid-game? Yeah, well, it's, you know, that comes within our structures within the FAI as well, you know, led by Rude Doctor, or, you know, High Performance Director and all around Rage International Managers and, you know, Niall Harrison as well over Emerging Talent Programme. You know, we have regular meetings and uh, we all bring our own experiences back to international managers' meetings and indeed what, you know, Stephen Kenny and, and Mick McCarthy attend also and all our managers from uh, Jason Donoghue, uh, Wright, Paul Ozam, Colin O'Brien, Andy Reid, uh, myself, and we keep bouncing things of each other and how different countries are playing and, you know, how we got to adapt. And I think it's, it's very, very important that um, we have that ability to adapt. And uh, thankfully, uh, you know, we've given a group of lads who have, have come through from different underage international teams and have had great experiences in underage international football. And, and that stands to them when they get to these uh, tournaments. That sounds really encouraging, Tom, that there is that dialogue between different coaches within the FAI that you're not stuck to your own devices as, as well as your own devices must be. It's always good to have kind of external influences, chat to other managers and get their experience as well. Uh, without a doubt. Like, you know, and obviously, you know, our own coaching staff here too are fantastic. You know, with Mick Neville, you know, Mick's one of the most decorated players that's ever played in the League of Ireland. Darren uh, O'Neill, one of the greatest goalkeepers in the league. Uh, Colin Healy, with fantastic experience of being a young player across the water and you know, he can he can relate so well to the players as well. Like you know, when here it's a matter of everybody everybody having an input. Like you know, and uh, from your own point of view, you got to be open. You got to you, you got to listen, and ultimately, I've got to make the decisions. 
You mentioned the game intelligence of your players there a while ago. Is that something that you've actively tried to teach or is it something that you can't really teach? Nah, it, it, it's something you can teach. There's no, no doubt about it. Like, you know, because, you know, the modern game, there's so many different trends and systems and styles and, you know, you've got to look at the, the strengths and weaknesses of opponents. Like, you know, and, you know our analyst team of, of Martin Doyle and Mickey Feeney and Mark Scanlon, uh, but massive work in too and there's so much ready for us right after games on our own games and also in the opposition as well, like, you know, so uh, the tactical side of the game, is, it's massive and it's so, so important that players are receptive uh, to the information. And these group of players, indeed, like all the players we've had this season, have been very very receptive to the information. But, Mayor, it's ultimately about the players going out onto the pitch and delivering under pressure, and uh, that's what has been really pleasing. Yeah, there, there must be a structure in place there, though, for them to really thrive, because I think it's 11 key players that are missing from the squad at the moment. There must be something there on a foundation level where no matter who the players are, they can get the best out of themselves in this current setup. Yeah, like I was just, you know, we, like we've used well over 30 players this year, you know, in our qualifying phase, elite phase, and in the finals. Um, obviously, it's, it's it's something that we, we work on a lot, you know, with team meetings, pre-training meetings, post-training meetings, analysing training and also analysing the games and as I say we've got a lot of work to do on the opposition too and uh, it tests us all but it's it's good And are all the players in those meetings is it kind of a lot of one-to-one talk is it kind of you at the top of the projector for 10-15 minutes or how do, do, how do those meetings work? Yeah well our, well our team meetings you know pre-training obviously you know we'll explain what our, what our training session is going to be we'll go through it on the tactical board with the players we'll show clips of the opposition we'll show clips of ourselves uh, we go out deliver the training session and after training then we get the players to you know they have to present as well like you know to to show an understanding of the learnings like you know from the training session and and that's important as well like you know that they can come back with the feedback and any areas or issues or concerns they have that they, they bring them up and that we're both crystal clear on on the roles of the players right so it's a it's a two-way street it's not by any means the coach telling the players how to play they have a lot of input as well yeah it's a, you know we, we Try to create that open learning environment, like you know, and also in the one-on-one meetings. You know, some fellas obviously may not be that comfortable, you know, speaking out in the group, but we also have the individual meetings as well, and uh, we we give our honest feedback to the players. They'll give their, their honest feedback to us, and that's very, very important. How harsh can the honest feedback be? I I think once you're honest, you're never harsh, like you mm. know, and that's that's the reality. And come here. It works both ways, uh, and these fellas are a good mentality. Like you know, they, they take it on board and, and they move on. Like and you take Barry Coffee last night, for example. Barry hadn't played, you know, probably much in her in her two previous games. Come off the bench against the French, and um, like he responded last night. So it's the importance of the squad members. Like you know, they've been really, really good. You know, and some lads haven't got playing yet, and that's difficult on them. But they're still tuned in. They're training really, really well, and they, they're you know. That can be a very powerful tool as well, uh, the squad and those group players that just haven't maybe played yet. But the door's starting to open for them now, like, you know. What sort of challenge, what particular style is Portugal going to bring on Wednesday night? At Portugal, they're a, they're a very expansive team. Like, you know, they play a 4-3-3, uh, two attacking midfield players, the, the pace up front, full-backs will get forward, they'll try to dominate possession. Uh, and... Uh, Typical Portugal team, like you know, we played Portugal over the last two years. Last year we played the Portuguese team that went on to win the, the European Championships, and uh, they were a fantastic side. Like fella Jadson Fernandes played for Benfica in mm. the Champions League, and this team would be no different. They're producing 
a lot of high quality players. So we are expecting a, you know, it will be a really difficult game, but we've got to be well organised and we've got to, you know, we've got to keep possession of the ball through as well. Like, you know, we've got to, got to go and play and continue on and from last night. Well, it's been a great campaign so far, Tom, and the very best of luck on Wednesday. Chat to you soon. Thanks, Owen. Thank you. Cheers. That's the Ireland head coach, Tom Moan, speaking to OTBAM's Owen Sheen. Best of luck to Ireland, their League of Ireland players, Brian Maher, Andy Lyons. I forgot to mention Brandon Kavanagh of Shamrock Rovers, who's been a mainstay in the team as well, and Niall Morhan of Sligo Rovers. That semi-final against Portugal will take place in Armenia this coming Wednesday. It's a three o'clock kickoff Irish time. The game will be live on RTE2. Now, our final port of call on this week's Off the Ball League of Ireland podcast is to bring you the very latest from the FAI EGM, which I was at on Saturday evening in Dunboyne Castle Hotel. I caught up with the FAI president, Donald Conway, who we'll hear from in just a second, and Aidan Horan, who's the chair of the FAI's Governance Review Committee. And uh, it was overwhelmingly voted 116 to 2 to adopt the 79 suggested rule changes which means the FAI AGM will take place this Saturday and the new board will start to be elected and a new and better more fit for purpose FAI will hopefully uh, be the outcome on this now, these interviews were done on Saturday before the Sunday Times broke more stories about John Delaney Mark Toy's pieces are well worth a read including about John Delaney's 50th birthday party and uh, more there in the Irish Times newspaper which you'll find online but now we're going to hear from the chair of that government review committee Aidan Horan followed straight away by the FAI's president Donald Conway I, I suppose I'm, I'm very pleased for the association I think we brought forward very significant governance reforms around about principles, structures and arrangements. And I think we went on roadshows around the country to try and explain to the membership the, the importance and the significance of what was proposed. This has been radical in terms of the changing structures, the new board, the new football management committee, the new business and football committees as well. And I, I suppose I'm very pleased for the association. People... In, in the chairman's report, my chairman's statement in the report, I asked people to maybe seriously reflect and decide what's the right thing to do. And I think it's, I'm very, very pleased that the association made the decision they made today. Aidan, what's your own role being in this process? Because your title is the chair of the Governance Review Committee, but what's that actually mean and what have you been doing? Oh, yeah. Well, I suppose if I go back, the group was set up uh, as an, a group who combined membership from Sport Ireland, who nominated three people, of which I was the nominated chair, and two people from the FAI, which were Rhea Walsh and Eva O'Donoghue. The members on the Sport Ireland nominees were Joe O'Leary, Mauling Ryan and myself. Um, as I said, we were an independent group, uh, majority external members. And we were given the terms of reference and we were given and I suppose it was explained to us how serious and urgent the, the governance uh, report was. And so we actually gave us a very tight timeline to get a, a report back, draft report by 14th of June, final report by 21st of June, to get it back and to have that endorsed and approved. It was endorsed and approved by both the FAI board and Sport Ireland and by UEFA and FIFA. And from the 21st of June until today, uh, I have been asked and supported uh, the FAI as, as he invited me to come around to all the various roadshows and the workshops and explain both to the staff and to the members uh, the importance and significance of the recommendations and I've been very happy to do so. Yeah, you've been speaking to the FAI staff on a regular basis over the last while too and there are people in this that, that maybe have been tired with the brush of you know the news stories and stuff over the last while but there's many FAI coaches, players, you know f finance staff, the list goes on, marketing, sales yeah. etc. How are they and, and what's their own mood? You know I'm sure they'll be happy with the vote today but I'm sure over the last while looking at the newspapers every week they're probably being, being a little bit disheartened. I mean staff are a key stakeholder in the process and indeed we got many submissions, we got 127 submissions to the group many made from staff. We met staff representatives, we met staff groups, they fit in their views and comments, made some good significant submissions to us. I think 
they, they see a bright future in terms of this this is a, an opportunity for reform an opportunity for change with the alignment of new structures new committees new work programs i think the staff are enthusiastic to begin to look at how can we re- realign our tasks and our roles to the new structures within the fai i view today as a tremendous new opportunity for them there is a lot of work to happen and we mentioned in the report that alignment that's to happen at an organizational level um, so from their point of view, I think today is a success. I think they were looking forward. Today, th- this report has been there for the last five weeks. Will it want it? Will it want it? The fact it was resoundingly uh, approved today, to me, sets off on a new trajectory. And I'm, I'm very enthusiastic for what this will do mean and for the staff as well. So that new path that's going to continue now with the AGM next Saturday, yeah. what does the vote today mean for the AGM next Saturday and for the FAI moving uh, forward? The, the most important thing that the vote next, the most important thing that from the vote today, as far as I'm concerned, was the structural change, the new committees, the new board. What's going to happen after next Saturday is going to be the eight new nominees for the 12-person board. Then the FAI are going to look to get the four new nominees, the four independent nominees to the new board, a new independent chair. And at that stage, that sets the, the wheels in motion. You're going to have the committee terms of references coming through. You're going to be populating new committees with new work programmes. So again, it's, it, it is a new beginning in terms of the governance arrangements and the governance structures within the FAI. Nick, today was a milestone. I said the 21st of June was a milestone, the report. 28th of July, today was a milestone. 27th of July is the next milestone. And then it's onwards in a positive way from there. Do you envisage a role for an executive vice president in the new FAI? Well, first of all, we were asked in terms of the, uh, our work was to look at structures and arrangements. Yeah, we were not asked to look at an organisation review. We were asked to look at what structures do you need, boards and committees. We've had no role or ro- no remit in terms of executives as in management roles. And, and that's not something we looked at. It wasn't within our remit at all. And finally, for people who are listening and watching, can you just explain in, in the simplest terms possible what the new FAI board will look like in terms of the amount of people, the amount of FAI people, the amount of impartial people and, and independent people? So just people listening that might be a little bit confused as to what it might look like. Okay, well, we're talking about a 12-person board. There's going to be four independent people. And these four independent people, one of them will be the chair. So no longer will the president of the FAI be the chair of the board. There's going to be eight, foot, eight nominees from the football family, the football community. Six of those people people are going to come from four new constituencies so the council will have four constituencies who will nominate people uh, there will be six coming from the new constituencies and the president and vice president will also go on so effectively you're going to have six coming from council nominees the president and vice president who are going to be now elected at the AGM and then the four new independents once the eight coming from next week are selected we look at the skill sets that are there because this is now going to be a skills and competency board. When you have the skills and competencies of the people who are there, the eight, then we will look at what's required for the four and then go out and it will be a search. So this will be a public process whereby people will be asked to express their levels of interest in coming in to be involved, be they from a football background or be they from other business backgrounds. And just lastly, you mentioned skills and competencies and there's so many great people around Irish football in all aspects of it, from, from coaching to the, all of the areas I mentioned too. Are you confident that you'll be able to find the right people among the people who are eligible to be voted for to, to help bring this new FAI forward? Yeah, I mean, I think we've put a recommendation around about nominations committee. The nominations committee is going to be populated by um, FAI, FAI board members, but also importantly, Sport Ireland nominees and other experts. They're going to be looking at, uh, at, at the CVs of those who express interest. 
my experience, to be honest, which is so far in talking to a lot of people, people really are, I would like to come, like to get involved and like to assist and help. And I, I feel there'll be no difficulty at all in populating the board and indeed the other committees with some really good people, be they already involved in football or be they outside of football who will be a supporter would like to be involved. Aidan Hoare, I'm sure it's been a long day. Thanks a minute for your time. Thank you. With the FAI President, Donald Conway. Donald, the vote of today's EGM has passed. By what margin and what are your thoughts on, on what the, the members had to vote on today? Uh, 116 yes and 2 no. So a huge, huge majority, which is our members doing what I thought would always happen, doing the right thing for football, for Irish football. Uh, a resounding, a clear message that they want reform. They wanted to start now, they wanted to start immediately and they wanted to continue. Are you surprised at how comprehensive the vote was that only two people who were here, albeit over 80 didn't turn up, that only two who were here voted no? And what reasons did they vote no for? Um, the two voting no were on technical issues like the cut-off age of 70 for football administrators and a position on the board or a position on council, I think, more to the point. And another gentleman was a, an issue between constitution and rules. Both of them in their in their presentations said that they supported reform. So, I mean, it was almost unanimous across the board, the support for reform. Could I say it was an extremely well-attended EGM, really very well-attended compared to other EGMs that we have had over the years? I know there were a number of different things that, that were discussed and, you know, a number of things that people voted on. What were the main issues, do you feel, that people did vote yes for, for change? Well, I think they voted for, the, for change. They voted for reform. I think reform is a word that has really, they've really taken hold of our members. Changing culture, changing the way the organisation is run. They voted for reform at board level. They voted for a new board that would have four independent directors, one of whom would chair the board. The new football committees, the new commercial committees, the new business committees. So I'm, they, a lot of those members in the toing and froing, we, went to, we had 10 venues on a roadshow. So we have had a huge engagement with our members. Our members came here today well informed and uh, absolutely wanting to put their marker down that we adopt this and let's move on. Let's move on. What does this mean moving forward for the AGM, which I understand will take place now next Saturday and, and it obviously makes a big difference to what happens there given that today's vote was a yes? Yes, we move on now to the AGM. Uh, all that paperwork has been issued, of course. We move on to do what we intended to do with the AGM. Post-AGM, we will have eight football board members and then we quickly get our four independent directors. We're going through that process at the moment. Uh, the nominations committee, uh, which will be a committee of six, about half and half between internal and external expertise, uh, that will get to work to select the four independent directors having looked at the skills and competencies that are there amongst the eight football directors then to complement what they have or to make up for any deficits where they might think a, def a deficit exists. We're speaking at a quarter to nine on Saturday evening, Donald. I'm sure it's been a very long day for you and, and a very long few weeks and months since, since all of this broke. As the FAI president, how has it been for you given there's been letters recently from FIFA and UEFA and, you know, the Minister for Sport clearly doesn't want you to continue. So, personally, how has it been for you trying to deal with all of this in the public eye and also, obviously, privately with your members and, and your staff, of course? There's been a team of people, uh, myself included, working since our difficulty started in March. So, I very much have that sense of being part of a team, senior members of staff, 
board members and people like the Aidan Horns of this world, the Governance Review Group and so forth. So I have that. It's been challenging. It's involved a lot of hard work. But as I said, doing that as part of a team and doing that now, the result today, you know, makes it all worthwhile in that sense that the signal that today's resounding vote sends out. One person who wasn't here today is, is the former chief executive, John Delaney. What does the future hold for him, do you understand? That's not an issue, really, that I'm in a position to discuss with you now here today. Um, that will be dealt with in a different atmosphere altogether. Because it's been something that has been spoken about over the last while, that his exit from the FAI entirely may impact on the public's opinion moving forward. Is that something that, that you would see happening, you know, given the amount of, uh, of people who are very unhappy with, with, with you know, him continuing in, in any regard? Because at the moment, gardening leave means he could possibly return. Again, that's not an issue that uh, I can enter into discussion here now. Today is about reform. Today is about the resounding success of that document, of the adoption of that document. That's really what we're at today. And Donald, just lastly, what does this mean moving forward for football in the country, for football fans, football players, managers, administrators, staff? What does it mean, given that you guys spoke inside about the different uh, you know, sections of, of uh, I suppose, the periods of time that you need to do the bits you want to do to change things? I think to players, parents, coaches, volunteers, fans, all the stakeholders, I think today was uh, an expression by the members. It's a member, we are a member organisation, and today was that such clear message from our members that we want to future-proof this organisation. We want a top-class organisation going forward that can promote association football in this country. And finally, you're moving forward as the only candidate to be the FAI president moving forward next Saturday. You're very confident that you know, you'll be able to continue to do the job you're doing and, and the fact that even like Shane Ross don't want you to do that, you're going to you know, stand anyway and, and will be voted in next week. Yeah, can I just make it clear that my standing for presidency is not anything to do to rebuff or to thwart Shane Ross or anybody else for that matter. The members ultimately make a decision on leadership, on the volunteer leadership of the organisation. Uh, that's a really important fundamental principle, that that is decided by the members of the FAI. So if that's what the members decide, we move on with that. Donald, thanks for being in. Best of luck. Thank you. Yeah, loads more on offtheball.com about the FAI and uh, we're next with the AGM coming up this Saturday. That's it for another week on the Off The Ball League of Ireland podcast. Thank you very much for listening and to all of our guests. We heard from Gary Rogers, Vinnie Perth, Stephen Bradley, Jack Byrne, Ollie Horgan, Tom Moan, Donald Conway and Aidan Horan. As I mentioned at the start, one of the most packed League of Ireland podcasts we'll ever have. We'll be back with you next week, folks. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Best of luck to Ireland and the teams in Europe, of course, on Doc and Shamrock Rovers. And we'll speak to you soon. See you. Bye-bye. The best League of Ireland podcast in the business. This is Off The Ball.